about bringing up controversial subjects and a series of quests for strange horrors. It feels good. Guidance is internal. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity. Do not think there are things in this universe which you cannot understand and which are true. Welcome to Far Off Topic, episode 30. I'm your host, Fiasco Jones. Jax begged and Jax pleaded to do a show about paranormal funhouse bullshit. He said he was too damn tired of the politics and the Trumps and the endless Kronomaki talk. And I promised him that this next episode, we wouldn't do any politics. Then uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg just fucked off and went to heaven. And now we've got to talk about politics because every pinko Harry and Sally is running up the walls about what this means for the future of America. And sadly, I'm no different. So suck it up, Mr. Glasses, and buckle up, you pissed off Jimmies, because by Ophiuchus's name, we're driving straight through that wall covered with a sign that says, No More Politics. With that, I'm joined by the queen of the tubies herself, Tiwi. Tiwi, uh, maybe you can explain where Jack's uh, fucked off to. I think he, he heard about RBG and he just went radio silent. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, he's not on this show today. Mm-hmm. I think that he just caught wind that RBG's dead. Uh, we're talking politics. And he said, you know, no, I'm not. I am not. I can't handle it. He's a fragile man. He's like a, an old debutante from the South. Yeah, he just swooned. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the papers. Oh. It's like, we just don't talk politics. It's just not proper. I'm like, okay, Jax. That sounds like Jax to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, any other news? Has the uh, has the the evil orange clouds? Have they gone away yet? They did actually. Today our air quality was good, and it was like at a level twenty. All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what level twenty means, but it sounds good. All right. So we'll go with that. That's good. And uh, yeah, the weather here is also beautiful. Has been beautiful for a long time now. So yeah. And that's the weather check for for off topic. <laughs> Now back to you in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Let's get into this. I did something different here. She did. After 87 years of giving white bread conservatives ulcers and terminal cases of hand-wringing disease, it's all over. Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died leaving a yawning vacancy that every political faction wants to stuff full with their very own special person. But before we descend into our inevitable brand of histrionics, let's take a moment to remember our first reactions to the news that RBG was murdered by natural causes. Tiwi, where were you when you realized that uh, Trump was going to (laughs) win another seat on the Supreme Court? Uh, I was in the kitchen. And my phone alerts popped very quickly. I think I got like four in a row, all saying that she had passed. And I had a very guttural reaction of fuck this year, uh, 2020. (laughs) (laughs) The worst fucking year I think I've ever lived. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, the immediate reaction is is very, it's a... it's like being stabbed a little bit, you know. You're kind of that initial shock. Of yeah. Like, what? Yeah. You're reacting really to the wound. And then I've had some time to process, though. I was uh, talking to my lovely wife, Mean Green, uh, on her way home, and she just kind of interrupted and said, Oh, by the way, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dead. I'm like, <laughs> immediately just stopped, like, even conversating with her I'm like what <laughs> <laughs> and just I just stood up I'm like this, you know what this means and just, you know clearly it was just flailing hands around shouting um so yeah uh I still I, I needed time to process mm-hmm. um uh so here we go I apologize in advance to Tiwi and all of you listening for what's about to happen oh god so if you could pardon my politics uh, I don't know what I said. Uh, but I'm the decider. With a good conscience, our only sure reward. I'm an extremely stable genius. <laughs> so, so let's start with what the haters uh, have to say. I received this article from a concerned listener, Johnny Lappin, 
who has been quite disgusted with the slavering, brain-dead condition of the left since the untimely dismissal of Bernie Sanders from the election season. At this point, he seems to frolic at the news that the left are, or have become, a bunch of hypocrites and sycophants for neoliberal corporate goons that are no different than 80s Republicans. Uh, and he sent me this uh, the article titled, The Fandom Around RBG is Out of Step with Reality. Writer Amanda Hess goes all in to point out that RBG is unworthy of the praise she receives from her most ardent supporters. She writes, Ginsburg is not the most liberal Supreme Court justice. That would be Obama appointee Sonia Sotomayor. In recent years, Ginsburg has voted with the majority in favor of the fossil fuel industry and against criminal defendants and asylum seekers. As a lawyer arguing before the court, Ginsburg built the case for gender equality incrementally, patiently moving conservative male minds in the style of a kindergarten teacher, as she put it in RBG. She counted the arch-conservative Antonin Scalia as a friend and carries a keychain that reads, with best wishes, Strom Thurman. Another opinion piece from Caitlin Gibson of the Washington Post adds further tarnish to the esteemed image of Ginsburg with this tidbit. In an interview for Yahoo, Katie Couric asked the 83-year-old jurist what she thought about the athletes choosing to kneel. Ginsburg's answer was blunt. I think it's dumb and disrespectful. She emphasized that, of course, such actions should be protected by law as they are, but added that she didn't agree with protesters themselves. Ginsburg was quoted as saying, If they want to be stupid, there's no law that should be preventive. What I would do is strongly take issue with the point of view that they are expressing when they do that. Uh, Just hearing those words just makes my heart just ache. Uh, So uh, what are your thoughts here? Uh, Do you think there is has been a a cult of RBG? Uh, Have we overstated we being whatever this big top umbrella thing is? Have we overstated her liberal bona fides? I think there's a the problem is that she has done a lot for, let's say, women like. You know, I can own a white women. Yes. Yes. White women predominantly. This is kind of like peak white, white feminism. Um, So, yes, there is that. And I think white feminism tends to do what it always does, which is to sort of whitewash everything in its path um, as just feminism and like say that all feminism is just one equal step for all women and you know intersectionality is is basically shoved aside and ignoring the fact that black women and minorities who are women or trans women like it's not the same like they don't get the same benefits from an rbg like she's right. she's done things that are are great for predominantly white women um which do also benefit minority women to some degree. It like gets them, you know, a half step or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think she she has some problematic views or she had some problematic views. But then I'm also I don't know. I can I, I feel like yeah, we get into this like apologist pattern because she's 87 or she was 87 or something and yeah, 87. Like I mean, what 87-year-old is really that progressive? I mean, they exist. There's like, I don't know how old Noam Chomsky is, but he's pretty progressive. <laughs> what about Bernie? I mean, Bernie's Ber- up there too. He's not 87. He's like 78. Old- oh my God, he looks like 100. <laughs> no, <Jesus>. shut up. <laughs> he's spry. <laughs> he, uh, I mean, yeah. We but define he's- spry differently. <laughs> but... I mean, they exist. That's true. They exist. But even he's had. But at the same time, you though, know, on your point, yeah. though, is that uh, giving where she's come from, and maybe this is apologist to her. I feel like she was progressive for her time. It's just that, you know, her time is, she became less so. Yeah. I think that incremental growth for particularly, I guess, uh, uh, white women was in its day still considered quite. She's reaching for some, you know, like that's a hard thing to grasp when you're living in, uh, you know, yeah. conservative white America where male patriarchy is like, nah, man, shut the fuck up. Yeah. So to say that like she didn't, like, I don't know, 
act more robustly and just demand that that change happen. I don't know, rereads history. I think she just had a narrow focus. Like her focus was right. like been and I think to some degree, and I think this is like your take a lot of times, <laughs> is that That's right. <laughs> and I I almost don't even want to continue. But um <laughs> I think it's hard to be like a perfect progressive person because like the goalpost is always moving and I don't know, like you're always, I think you always have to sort of like check yourself and sort of reassess because like, I guarantee you're going to say something that's fucked up. Like it's just impossible to be like a hundred percent, you know, progressive on all fronts and like not offend anybody you know sometimes i feel like like a uh, like a liberal nazi where i say these things as a curiosity i wanted to, to, to inform myself and get ideas and i feel like these things are verboten we don't talk about these things we just know the right answer and that's 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 it and that you have to leave it at that you can't you're not there you're not we're not we're not a, a people that question anymore we just read off the the oh it says this is the answer for a it's just not really a thinking person's uh which i mean i know that's extreme i know that's not true because i know that you know we're here right now talking about it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll talk about it but but uh it just seems that like uh it's becoming a very sensitive group of people that uh, i don't know i don't think just, I, don't, I don't see i don't know okay so this is where we divert but i don't think that people are i mean there are definitely people that are like sensitive and like hyper reactive to someone saying the wrong thing but i think it's like the problem usually is if the person is like really doubling down and like they can't admit like fault or you know change their perspective i think it's that's when you have like a good example would be uh what's her face the Harry Potter lady JK Rowling JK Rowling yeah. yeah so she's had some pretty like terrible takes on trans she's like a fur, full she's like a full turf now yeah she's like a straight no she's like an yeah she could be like the leader of the turf she like <laughs> right. she just wrote she's a book the rank. she's now the great pope of turf <laughs> she she like wrote a book about like a man who dresses up like a woman to kill people i mean it's like <laughs> it's like it's a pretty like terrible take and i think that's where those are the kind of like shit takes that like get people really riled up like she isn't capable i think of like hearing the questions or like reassessing her like value system and the thing is i will say i you know like i'll admit like i never really it's hard to like think outside of your bubble you know what i mean like or your lived experience i've never i never really considered like I didn't really think about trans people at all. Like I didn't like consider the struggle, the plight, whatever. Right. Until, you know, there was some more familiarity with that in my own world. And then I was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to reassess this and like actually think about this with like empathy and, you know, more than just sort of a reactive whatever, I don't care, which I know is callous, but I can be a callous person. And I admit that I'm you have a bitch. To, I mean, you have to be kind of like, you have to shelve a lot. The world's complex. You have to right. be putting things I mean, shelves, I would say so. I'm callous, but I'm not like cruel. Like, I would never be like, fuck trans people or anything like that. I'm right. not like JK Rowling. But I would say that I don't think that I ever really gave it like a lot of in-depth thought. And honestly, there were there was a time, I know, like at least in the early 2000s when I was like reading about some sort of thing in a feminist page where I was like, what? Like, cause trans women wanted to be like brought into this like feminist sphere. And I was like, what? But they're not women. And I know that that's a shit take. But at the time I was like, this is bullshit. Like they don't experience like what it's like to be a woman. But now I'm like, you know, I've reassessed. I've like thought about it with more like, you know, depth than like a reactive, like, that's bullshit. And not only do I feel like trans women have the like lived woman experience, I think they get it like much worse. So I don't think it would be appropriate to say like, they're not women. Like they don't know what it's like to live a woman's experience. Like they know 
they have their own experience that is pretty like terrible. I feel like they get attacked on both sides. So I feel like, you know, it just takes it's like that's the thing I think where people think like everything's too PC and like you can't talk about things. But I think the problem is that people don't reflect like they don't mm-hmm. admit admit when they have like a shit take or say like, hey, I was wrong. Like and like I feel like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a great example because I think the reactive like notorious RBG like token like she's an amazing fucking caricature of a human being that's like perfect is like in full effect right now. Like if you go on any like social media platform, there's like so much RBG, RBG, like obsessive idolatry happening right now. Right. Right. She's not perfect. Like she was not a perfect person. And in a lot of ways, like the situation we're in was of her making. I was, I'm glad you got that to that point. Cause I was going <laughs> to ask is like, how much do we, can we blame her now for not just taking a knee? Um, right. No pun intended. During Obama. And, during Obama, when we already, she already knew she was, you know, kind of, uh, she's frail. I don't know. She, you know, <laughs> she was she, old. Was iffy. <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah, she's she, old. I think she's she old. already had cancer. So, yeah. Instead, she, I don't know, stubbornly wanted to maybe go out on a hill. I think everyone. I think she wanted to go like out on Trump's Hillary. A, yeah. Yeah. And uh, make it more of a kind of a statement. It, it, it would be more poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but she completely fucked that one up. But, I mean, none of us had, like... We're the, not clairvoyant, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, other than Michael Moore, who called in, Jax, who who also yeah. called it. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, they, Ginsburg was reading the same shit that we were... At the same time, though, I, I kind of do think that, like, when it comes down to Supreme Court noms, she probably should have not taken that so just... I don't know, I wouldn't say cavalierly, but it seems cavalier. It's pretty cavalier. Like, oh, it's like ego. Yeah. yeah. Like she right. she should have retired during Obama. It would have been the safer thing to do. And now we're in this fucking predicament where we're probably going to get like fucking the second coming of Hitler on the Supreme Court. And it's like, you know, fuck. I don't know. What do we do? Like, I mean. Right. I don't know. Which gets us to the next kind of segment or the next part of this. It wasn't long after the announcement of RGB's death that the calls for all-out war began. Uh, we have this tweet. If they try to replace RBG, we burn the entire fucking thing down. That was from author Reza Aslan, who wrote a book about Jesus. <laughs> uh, he's, he's like a theologian. Uh, he later responded to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's vow to hold a vote on President Trump's nominee, saying... Over our dead bodies, literally. Um, so that's some hot stuff. Uh, but I also think it's 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 accurately getting the pulse of people, and uh, maybe this RGB death has ripped off that that scab of that unhealed wound from Trump, and now people are just. Mm, I think <laughs> they're feeling hot. I know people are definitely. I don't know. It's like <clears throat> I try to use my my sage 42 years of wisdom and put it in perspective. And I think, you know, when's the last time there was like a real like, oh, the shit's going to go like the world's going to end. And I was like, oh, there's Y2K. Remember Y2K? People were like, right. I do remember that. People were like acting like this is going to be really bad. But yeah, it feels different now. It feels different. And <laughs> I think it puts I'm trying to put that into the perspective of. Is it like, is this really happening, you know? And part of it does feel like this is really happening. I think the fact that we have this pandemic happening that is definitely happening um, and people are actually dying. I think that adds another element that Y2K did not have. And, you know, people's money is being legitimately fucked with that. That'll do it, too. That's, you know, that's actively happening. And the racial tensions are, like, the police going nuts and, like, all these videos coming out of police just, like, I mean, it's, like, almost they already have declared a war on citizens. Right. So And also the the right digging in their heels again, just like, nope, the cops can do whatever the fuck they want. Shut up. Shut up about those videos. I know. So, I don't know. I feel like there is, in some way, there is some potential there but then i i always go back to what i learned in the 90s about at least Mm. generation x is 
they're apathetic. They're apathetic as fucking hell. I know, like, Generation Z is supposed to be, like, turnt. They're supposed to be the, like, <laughs> progressive generation that none of us have actually been. And I know millennials like to hear and write about themselves as being, like, this very progressive generation that, like, gets shit done. Um, and I don't know. Maybe, I mean, AOC is a millennial, so... Yeah, you got her. So I don't think I, I don't think I've ever ever gotten believed anything. in generational stuff. Like I don't think there's such a thing um, because it's not like I mean, yeah, the, the, we had a kind of a base, or every generation has a base of like growing up and understanding. So um, I get that they're probably you know maybe progressively less and less conservative, um, but that's not a guarantee. Just because you know as we as things kind of get progress. Uh, people do, I think, just turn more liberal. But other than that, I don't think that you can say, like, you can ascribe, uh, like, senses of apathy or, like, get doneness, uh, to generations. I, because, I mean, you're talking about millions of people. There's no way they, they all, just because they had, they, they grew up in a time, not, you're not even talking about a place, just in a time. But that's what um, forms who you are. And they grew up in a time where they don't get, they feel like everything's unfair. Like they feel like they've been put upon by, you know, policymakers and politicians. But the apathetic title was actually for our generation. <laughs> Just for, right, right, right. Yeah, Generation X. We're the ones that are like low voter turnout, do nothing, stay home, eat Cheetos. Which, right. I mean, is that not true? I don't think it's true because I, I, I mean, you would have seen a like precipitous drop off of just, I feel like society was just like this taking a break for, you know, 20 years uh, once we all kind of like matured into our jobs. But instead, it just keeps rolling on and progress even faster and faster and faster. And you can't say that I mean, you have to, you have to ascribe that to somebody. It has to be the, the next people who fill in, fill in the shoes, you know? Well, what's the voter turnout for the, the generational groups? Like, the highest voter turnout is still for the elderly set. Like, they're the higher number of voters. I think there was... How, how long has that been the case? It's probably always been the case because those motherfuckers are all retired and do doing shit. I don't know. That's a really good question. <laughs> I have to look at that. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, I mean, I feel like... Voter turnout is always good with the the retired class because they're bored, and that's the best thing. The I don't best know that they're all retired. Of, uh, you know, retirement home. I don't know that most. They're probably not because we live yeah. in America, so yeah. they're all probably fucking like, <laughs> like getting off their McDonald's shift and like <laughs> <laughs> like heading over to the fucking voting booth. Um, we went far off on this one, so let me just drag it a little bit far back. When you were talking, we were talking about like the consequences of what are coming. Tensions are high. Things are getting really crazy. And is this time for the Democrats to start really just, I don't know, growing a backbone? So Jeffrey Tubin wrote a piece in The New Yorker that seems intent on waking the sleeping giant of the heretofore unseen spirit of democratic chauvinism. In it, he outlines four key steps that Dems must take to wrest control from the Republicans, possibly permanently. He says... The first is the abolition of the filibuster, which should have happened decades ago. Second, statehood for the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, which would instantly add four Democratic senators to the chamber. Third, Congress should pass a law expanding the number of lower court federal judges. That number has not increased since Jimmy Carter was president. And finally, the greatest and most appropriate form of retribution involves the Supreme Court itself. The number of justices is not fixed in the constitutions, but rather established by statute. So I agree with Tubin. Uh, I think it's past time for Dems to start playing dirty. Do you think that these moves are plausible, considering how fucking weak the Dem leadership is? I mean, they're plausible, but not with the current lineup. I feel like we need people with spines and people who are just like... I mean, look at the Republican Party. They don't fucking care. Like, they will murder no. your mom and then just be like, I did it for the democracy or whatever. Like, they don't fucking right, care. Right. Like, Blood and soil. Yeah. That's sort of a Nazi soil. thing. But. <laughs> <laughs> They're just, I feel like they'll drink like a, a scotch, like over her corpse. Like, they don't fucking care. Yeah, these are people who like come from a legacy of exploitation for power, and but they own it. 
The thing is, the Democrats also, a lot of them also come from a legacy of exploitation for power, but they try to, like, fill this, like, false narrative that they don't. And th- right. they need to, like, I'm sorry, but the, the like, fucking Feinsteins and Schumers and Pelosi's of the world, like, we know who you are. You guys are, like, the fucking same thing on the other. Like, you're looking in a mirror. Now, right. now just act like it and, like, fucking, like, use your power for I mean, I want to say good, but at this point, it's just like fucking become the Avengers, like just fucking fix shit. Right. Like, I don't know, like- <laughs> well, that, that, I, again, uh, not to bring up Johnny Lappin up uh, again, but uh, he and I Is this sometimes spar on for these the issues. Show? He's uh, he's a, a rich benefactor. Oh, okay, he owns several companies that have sponsored the show. Oh. Um, so yeah, yeah, so we talk a lot. Okay, um, you know, he he leans far on to the idea that there's absolutely no difference, and that they both essentially, you know, will you'll get the same outcome no matter who's in power. So he, that's why he's, he's he has no interest in, in voting for Trump or Biden. Cause it's like, Oh, fuck them. You know, it's, it's the same thing. I disagree though, because I think that again, yes, there is, they are le- the, the, the neoliberals and they, and they, we do know that they have a sympathy for large corporations and that will always be their number one, but they do have a, uh, this other kind of veneer that, is part of their brand that they can't entirely divorce themselves from. It may be a lot of smoke and mirrors, but there's still some of that. And I think that just that, and this kind of gets back to Big Ginsburg a little bit too, incrementalism is the the idea that if the two, if, if you were going to decide which one to vote for, Trump, who will send us to the apocalypse, you know, wee, <laughs> happily, giddily, uh, versus the Democrats, who will... They're not going to take the wheel and just turn it the opposite direction. They're going to just kind of like turn it about 45 degrees off the, you know, the center line and maybe just kind of squeeze over to a different little path. It's going to be incremental. So like say like COVID or uh, the let's just say the stimulus after the COVID stimulus, a Democrat in the office is more likely to add a little bit more to workers and Main Street than a Republican would. Like, they're still going to give uh, billions and billions of dollars to corporations. Like, I mean, I'm not stupid. <laughs> like, I, that's that's part of the game. But they're more likely to give longer-term benefits to workers and to middle class and to lower-income people than any Republican would ever consider. Yeah. Um, so... That's, I guess, I mean, it's sad. It's sad. And I realize how just cynical that is. But I mean, that's true. That's, I think, I think that's, what you're voting for. Yeah. I mean, that's why we like, I fully acknowledge my soul has left my body. The fact that I'm going to like <laughs> vote for, you know, fucking Biden. I do think that, that people are going to, there's, there's, there's going to be that um, buyer's remorse afterward because they're, all they're searching for is normalcy. All the, these people are I don't are think it's going to come. Like this. It's not. It's, it's not that's, that's the problem right. that people are setting themselves up for. They're not managing their expectations. Normalcy ain't coming back. There's no, no such thing anymore. Like, what I'm looking for as a voter is to not go to a concentration camp. That's like my goal. <laughs> that's literally like my goal. I'm basically voting like no, vote no on concentration camp. That's how I see it. Because I feel right. like if Trump, I'm not even being hyperbolic, but I feel like if Trump were to win, concentration camps are probably like on his fucking like vision board because like they've already like tried it with like the fucking ice situation they're already trying to like say antifa is an organization they're basically trying to say like you know exercising your rights to like protest is a fucking crime that like should put you in a prison which i'm sure they just yeah they just want to kill you like they're not gonna i don't know I feel like they've tested it out. I think they tested it out with this this guy that, you know, in Portland that they just gunned down, supposedly. I think there's just... Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I feel like if they were to win, like, yeah, concentration camps for brown people, like, is probably around the corner. Maybe not around the corner for me. I I do think things are going to get dark. Um, and even, like, what we were just talking about, about these, these four ideas that Jeffrey Tubin put out there. I don't know if the Dems should actually start like uh, actively campaigning on them because I think that would be great. 
Um, yeah, but like it'll just scare off those Republicans that you're trying to covet. So like, I also wonder about Second Civil War. Uh, I feel like that is the is what we're all headed toward. We're getting to the point where we're all just going to walk away from the table and say, you know what? I don't want to talk about this anymore. You know, Thanksgiving's over. Uh, let's go like shoot each other. <laughs> it really does fall. Like if you look historically at all these like attempts at democracy, it doesn't fucking like go very well. Like historically, this shit does not like last very long, and it almost always goes to like some kind of like pattern of you know going for a few hundred years, then you have a civil war of some kind or an uprising right. because like the whole system is predicated on like power balances where like the majority are shit on and like sustainably shit on for like you know, years and years and years, you know, until people basically are just like, I'm cool with this. Like my legacy in life is to be shit on for eternity and my children to be also shit on. Like that's not sustainable. And so eventually like people just get sick of it and they like fucking, you know, get the guillotine. So unless we actually have big changes, I feel like we really need to have some like socialist changes like we need to look at i actually do because that i think those changes are the ones that benefit everybody right and you can you can then say oh well see there's no reason to fight anymore because i mean you may not like socialism but now look it's helping right. you and you're not shit on like your your future right. isn't you, like decided before you're born but i don't know I, I i i have my doubts i think that no matter what happens again normalcy is not coming back but i also think that you're going to have one group of the half of the country and it's not even half it's actually you know the republicans are actually you know in the country they're the minority i feel like they're only like like the low 30 high 20s like the percentage right of republicans. so but they but you know as everyone mentions and i've mentioned they're armed as fuck so <laughs> um, regardless you're gonna have two people if the the majority loses again uh to the some shenanigans through voting or oh or voting irregularities or trump just or whatever you know um uh, I think that there will be people that just like say, you know, there there will be something. There will be a, a massive reaction, maybe a violent reaction. And I think the same thing is going to happen if Biden wins. I think that the, the that 30 percent is going to be saying it was rigged from the start, um, especially if, if we like we talked about last week, uh, if that if the numbers comes out and it's a, a landslide for Trump and it just switches you know, a couple days later as, as the counts come in. Then, yeah, I think that I don't know. It just. We don't. We don't have the apparatus anymore uh, to have these conversations to like simmer us down. Like you said, we've been fighting each other um, for so long and not fighting the people Power who holders. have put us there. Yeah, yeah. Um, that we just think that oh no, it's the liberals that have done this to me. No, 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 no. It's it's the like I said, the managerial elite, <laughs> the Illuminati. And this is a good time to actually plug the lost book of remedies, which you'll probably need when the apocalypse happens. Um, okay. <laughs> actually just bought this book. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying if you want to have an apothecary situation happening when, you know, the war starts, get the lost book of herbal remedies in your grocer's freezer. Well, that's a perfect time to get to our break. The awards made specifically for a race of creatures, both too stupid to exist, but just smart enough to stave off death for one more day, have declared their winners for 2020. We'll share the details in our bizarrest segment at the end of the show. But first, we will put some distance between us and the thick mud of plebeian politics and move on to much more refined subject matter. Coming up next, we'll explore life on Venus, the consequences of a conscious internet, and of course, Nazi death cults. All that and more just after the break. book on earthly remedies Uh, i wrote a book about that you should buy it buy my book it's about earthly remedies you know uh salves and poultices tonics and elixirs it's all in there buy it if you don't buy it i'll know i'm not threatening you but you should probably buy my book. You, ne- you never know what could happen to you without my book. You might get sick or something else really terrible. So, 
don't be a victim of unintentional poisoning. You know, well, buy my book. It's called My Book of Earthly Remedies and Poisons. You should buy it right now. We've had enough of politics and death. Let's instead talk about the weird bullshit like aliens living in the atmosphere of Venus as we explore odd normalities. Curious about unexplained phenomena. The unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. Enter that world of darkness. Fermi was an idiot after all. There's life on Venus. This from Forbes. Earlier this week, an exciting and controversial find was published in Nature Astronomy. A team of astronomers reported on the detection of a molecular gas, phosphine, pH 3, within the upper layers of the clouds of Venus. Phosphine is what is called a biomarker. It's one of the chemicals that astronomers look for in the atmosphere of a planet to determine if that planet might harbor life. The article goes on to say, What is unclear at this point is where this phosphine comes from. Typically, the production of phosphine is associated with life. It's possible, however, that phosphine could come from some yet unknown process. What's more likely? There is an unknown process at work in the clouds of Venus? Or that there is life suspended in its clouds of sulfuric acid? Uh, for this we need more work, they say. Uh, so, I have one question for you, Tiwi. How dumb do you feel believing the aliens aren't real? You constantly saying and castigating me for my beloved alien worship or you may not remember that maybe there was a dream i don't know i don't think that that's accurate (laughs) uh i don't feel dumb at all but i also feel like there's probably some other thing at play oh you're just you're just like the people who said that the the seattle hum was midshipman fish You're, you're 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 always pulling back to some i mean it's just as crazy to say like well here's the thing uh, we've never seen phosphine made in any other way except for uh, through uh, biological means. But just because we don't want to admit that there's life in, uh, in, the, in the sulfuric acid clouds of Venus, we're just going to say that it's... it's, it, it's Maybe it's it is life. the midshipman fish. Maybe there's midshipman fish living in Venus. They're ugly creatures, and there's nothing that says that they weren't originally From Venus. living on Venus, and then a, like an, an asteroid came through and spat them out I feel like into our atmosphere. The, the real tell here, and the question they should be asking, or their null hypothesis should be, does Venus have a hum, or they should say <laughs> Venus does not hum. <laughs> And that that will uh, that'll settle it for mm-hmm. you, whether or not there is a an associated hum. Yeah, I think it, we can seal this up pretty quickly. If there's a hum on Venus, I think we know what's going on. I don't know what to think about this. Um, one, it's not nearly as exciting as uh, you know astronomers spied a civilization just below the clouds, and they're staring back at us, and you know they're just really shy. They haven't really come out and said it's just you know. Uh, like farts, maybe. I don't know what <laughs> biometric markers are, but it sounds like they're just saying, like, oh, yeah, something's farting and it's collecting in the upper atmosphere. Um, so that's a good sign. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, most likely, this is like a, some kind of lame space fart. It's, it's a space fart, but it, like, even like the life, if we, the, 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 the best thing we can hope for when they say stuff like we found life on another planet is some like microscopic piece of shit that I don't consider life. I don't consider protozoa life. Whoa. I don't consider the things that I can't see Whoa. with my naked eye life. That, yeah. Hot take. <laughs> that's dumb. And so that's, that's it. it I don't care about that. Um, I want to see some kind of like space ape that, you know, it has wings and just like goes as it flies through the, the sulfuric atmosphere. That's what I want. I don't, that other than that, horrifying. it's not life. <laughs> But Space apes? Yeah, with <laughs> they wings would be. They would be. <laughs> that live in sulfuric acid? Yeah, that sounds terrifying. You don't want to come face to face with them, I'm just saying, but you could see them from like, like your 
your telescope as you fly by in your Virgin Atlantic spacecraft, I mean, your space tours. I would definitely watch the videos, that's for sure. Yes, I would too. Um, I, I did see another related article basically saying, uh, criticizing people who are constantly like searching for life in space when we're pretty much destroying our planet here. Um, and like all the life. <laughs> the irony. We were going to the, the, the yeah, Anthropocene <laughs> extinction. <laughs> You're like, oh, but where's the life in space? Like, motherfucker, like there's some here. We should preserve that. <laughs> Yeah. Not you. In a related subject, did you know Venus belongs to Russia? I did not. I I you know, I I swore I was going to practice these fucking names, mm. but whatever. Roscosmos, Roscosmos chief Dmitry Rogozin who's known for espousing unconventional scientific views and for frequently sarcastic anti-Western rhetoric, which I feel like that little nugget right there is... Poisoning the well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, He said this week that Russia wants to send its own mission to Venus, in addition to an already proposed joint venture with the United States called Venera D. Venera D? It's like venereal disease. disease? Who's naming this shit? (laughs) Uh, It sounds like a troll. Uh, We think that Venus is a Russian planet, so we shouldn't lag behind, Rogozin said. He noted that the Soviet Union was the first and the only one to land a spacecraft on Venus. So how soon is it that Venus is the the friction point that leads us to, to World War III? I mean, fucking tracks. I don't know. Like, I feel like (laughs) everything is just that'll be trash. (laughs) U.S. will just send us like a missile with a flag on it, and say, "Nope, it belongs to us." And then all hell, all hell breaks. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. uh, You know that anyone was so audacious to say we own a planet, other than you know. I mean, all of us here. you know, we're always trying to fucking colonize everything. I feel like the 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 law of ownership, though, should be that you have to colonize it. So I feel like until they can force life on Venus, you can't own it. Right. I actually want to say that it might be, well, at least that was the, the proposition made in that movie about uh, Matt Damon living on, on oh, Mars. Oh, Mars, yeah. Yeah, that that he had this little nugget like that the the rule for conquest is that you have to grow something. You have to like oh, have yeah. a colony and grow food there. And once you do that, you can declare your ownership. And I don't know how true that is, but I mean, yeah, it sounds like some that. kind of bullshit rule. So sure, right? But I think guns can over you know overtake personally. The, the fucking growing, so. take Venus. I don't care. Like <laughs> right, <laughs> you'd have all of them. I don't. What am I going to do with them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You also have to yeah, fund NASA. Like, I don't know. What are we supposed to like? Who cares? Like, how about it? That's that is dick swinging at its big at its best. I own that planet. Sure, All right, okay. Fuck you. I don't know. Take it. I don't care. <laughs> Trying to bait me into something is not going to work. I don't like, care about that's Venus. My planet. <laughs> take that one too. I see it Swing, twinkling at me. It's way out there. That's yours. That's your star. Um, from acid-propelled speed boots to interdimensional portals into your neighbor's blown mind, these are the tales of mad science run amok. These are the stories of bombast and rocket engines. Is the internet conscious? Well, that's tough to say, but if it were, well, that might not be a great thing for any of us. Wired has this to say. When asked in a 2013 interview whether or whether the internet was conscious, Christoph Koch, chief scientist for the Allen Institute for Brain Science and a leading figure in computational neuroscience, offered that it's hard to say for sure, given that not all computers are connected at the same time. But yes, according to his theory, it feels like something to be the internet. The article assures us that Koch has suggested that the Internet's mind could be nuanced enough to feel pain or even experience mood swings. And as weird as that sounds, there is a darker implication to having a conscious Internet. Koch believes that any time minimally integrated systems, say atoms, neurons, are part of a more highly integrated one, a brain, the consciousness of these lesser entities is swallowed up and dissolved into the larger system. You can probably anticipate where this is going. As the philosopher Philip Goff has pointed out, 
If Koch and Tanani's theory is correct, then at some point, the growing connectivity and complexity of the Internet will force human brains to become absorbed into the collective mind. Brains would cease to be conscious in their own right, Goff writes, and would instead become mere cogs in the mega-conscious entity that is the society, including its Internet-based connectivity. First off, do you think it's possible that the internet will become conscious soon i know this is usually you're not a sci-fi nerd so i don't know this really appeals to you i mean soon like what are are we talking about i mean they're kind of saying this coke guy in the article was saying that it's like it might be it might actually be alive now that it, it feels something to be the internet like the internet itself might have a sense of being you cannot convince me that al gore's internet is feeling pain because no no i mean what are we calling the internet like are we talking about the code is the code feeling pain what is feeling pain well that's the thing it's so it's wildly up to interpretation some people say that like let's say that the dark web is its subconscious the The dark web is like the id and like the up the out in the open is like the ego or something and and then the super ego would be social media networks that you know like they, they, they ratchet each other up and they're constantly talking to each other and they they lash out and they kind of like represent the moods of the internet okay, That's, well, you know going off that then no um no <laughs> no we say no that that was just yeah one loose interpretation but all right, all right. no because it's like uh, it's i mean no it's just a bunch of code. They're not saying, well, he basically saying like, well, the whole idea of like emergence, uh, like existence is that these small things that are doing their one tiny job, let's say your, your code basically was like an on off switch and that's all it did. And mm-hmm. it interacted with something else that interact and it creates these chain reactions of all these simple mechanisms become actually an organism. I'm going to change. I'm going to change my answer because oh, okay. just recently I think the internet is upset and I don't know why the internet is sad because Comcast, my TV, I've recently been getting weird errors where the TV will have this big like error that comes on the screen that says like, I mean, this this error is crazy because I never seen it before till just like the last two weeks. It says one of your cables may be loose your internet connectivity appears to no longer be working. The sh- the TV's still on, and there's just this like big like thing in half the screen, and like the mm-hmm. the remote won't do anything. So you can't like change the channel or turn it off. Right. So I'm like, what is this error? Like no cords are involved. Like no nothing's loose. So I don't know. Right. Like what is this? What is this? Now I know it's obviously moody. It's- it's a, yeah, it's a moody, moody internet. Yeah. Um, that might not exactly be no, what they're... No, I think that's exactly uh, <laughs> what they're talking about. That error never existed before. It clearly made that error up. And this is how the, the internet is communicating yeah. with you. And your your constant interaction with it is how you mm-hmm. will be subsumed into its oneness. Yeah. Self-annihilation. That's what we're all... You know, it, it's the era of spiritual machines. We're all going to eventually become the machine. Uh, individuality is gone. Moving on. So, hey, environmentalists, turns out all that preening and sorting of your recyclables was a waste of time. NPR and PBS Frontline spent months digging into the internal industry documents and interviewing top former officials. They found that the industry sold the public on an idea it knew wouldn't work, that the majority of plastic could be and would be recycled, all while making billions of dollars selling the world new plastic. The industry's awareness that recycling wouldn't keep plastic out of landfills and the environment dates back to the program's earliest days. There is a serious doubt that recycling plastic can ever be made viable on an economic basis. As one industry insider wrote in a 1974 speech, I know you're pretty big on recycling, so how betrayed do you feel? I mean, I'm not really surprised. (laughs) <laughs> are you going to continue recycling now that you know the truth that all that yes that, that, we don't have a choice I don't know, that, 
Like, it's the rule here. If you don't, you get murdered. It's a capital punishment. Yeah, I was going to say, how would they know? Like, how do they do? They, they, do they look through your open, trash. Like, a sample no, they do. They really look through your trash and then they'll find you or they'll refuse to take it. Who told you they look through their trash? They've done the it trash? before. Like, they literally. they In front of you? Not in front of me. They, like, pull the family out to the side of the street with their guns. <laughs> Took out a gun. They cut the Neil. bag open. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we lost our neighbors. It's like this is paper. This is paper. This is human waste. This is a uh, a steak dinner. Yes, no plastics, sir. No plastics. All right, you no. But they like they basically maggots. took our in where I live. This whole area, they mm-hmm. took all of our trash cans away, and they only give you this small little tiny trash can. And you can't have a lot of trash. Like, it's easy. It's like one small, small bag of trash. That's it. Wait, so... so what do you do with the rest of you your trash? You recycle I'm a, it. I'm a trash guy. I'm a trash guy. I know you're a trash I guy. I throw everything <laughs> into the trash. I mean, I make more trash. I've than if seen I can see. your house. I know. I know. We have like three large trash cans. <laughs> you guys are all about the trash. And they're, every week I they are filled I have a visceral reaction to the things I see going in your trash. <laughs> I have a recycle bin that I also <laughs> fill the trash. Ugh. <laughs> 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 And I have fun knowing that as they pull, because no one's watching, they just take it and they just jam it down into the, the recycle machine truck. And like, mm-hmm. because here's the thing. It's all a lie. No, like, it's all a lie. That the recycle gets... truck is going to the same place the trash truck is going. I mean. They're going, they're, they're just taking two, two little laps because it's all about fucking, like, propaganda. It's all about, oh, yeah, no, 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 we're, we're recycling. Environment, environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-uh. He's like, you can put anything in there. That's that, This is going to the garbage. Well, team. we also get compost. Uh, so we have our yard waste and compost, and then you have your recycling, and then you have your trash. Oh. So I feel... Like, at least my compost bin is doing something. So, we also wait, pay extra. You compost? We also pay extra for a recycling service. Wow. They have, <laughs> I wish I lived in Seattle right now, just charging a bunch of people for recycling that doesn't, like, you guys, I'm just taking your, your bottles and your plastics <laughs> and I'm putting them in a trash can and then sending them to the landfill. I'd be like, yep. Pay me, uh, I don't know, uh, $10 uh, a month, $10 a week, and I'll I'll do your recycling. How much that uh-huh. costs? <laughs> well, there we, oh my gosh, that is, that is. It's $9 extra for styrofoam. <laughs> Just throwing money away. I, I mean, that is, uh, what a, what a grift. I wish I was in on that. I'm going to start a recycling company tomorrow because uh, I can pretty much do that. Uh, for free so i'm going to like, i'm going to start just going around picking up hey i got this recycling don't worry about it i'll just just get five dollars and i'll just take this off your hands and i'll just drive it to this fucking wait the landfill and just bleh, dump it out yeah wouldn't that be the best grift though if the the the, the plastic makers were also owned the recycling plants that they just knew was called the trash company yeah that would be great, and you pay them extra. Like, okay, you take the bottle, then I make the bottle, and sell you the bottle, then you give it back to me. Why can't they just, just like sanitize the shit and just like reuse it? I don't know. Would you want to eat a dirty? I'll do it. Bottle? I don't care. I'm like, I'm a trash person. Like, I will eat food off the floor. <laughs> I don't care. I'll just be like, it's good for my microbiome. It's, uh, it's, you paint a scary picture. Um, you probably be fine. Yeah. Let's get into some really scary stuff. Uh, Eldritch horrors, bizarre cults, and the insane acts of their demented followers are the topics we explore when we investigate God's Ugly Children. The thing has no name, or it needs no language. Twisted, half-human monstrosities stalk the flesh-ridden halls, protecting their gestating god. A demented neo-Nazi cult is stalking the streets of Toronto, according to Vice. Mohammed Aslam Zafis, a 58-year-old Muslim man, was sitting outside a Toronto mosque when he was attacked and stabbed to death on September 12th. He was the second person of color to be stabbed to death in Toronto over several days. Police later arrested and charged 34-year-old Guillermy 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 William von Newtonjim. With first-degree murder in the connection of Zafis's death, 
Police also added that it was too early to exclude Von Newtonjim from the investigation into the killing of Rampreet Singh, who was stabbed to death just days earlier. Von Newtonjim has been connected to the Nazi-affiliated group known as the Order of Nine Angels, or O9A-ONA. The Order of Nine Angels is bizarre, even among the extremely fringe world of neo-Nazis. It's connected with British neo-Nazi David Mayat, and while it has existed for decades, it began garnering headlines in recent years as the accelerationist movement of neo-Nazis like Adam Waffen and the base began gaining traction. Multiple members inside both groups were influenced by O9A, teachings, and texts. The group's stated goal, put very simply, is to overthrow the modern order through acts of extreme cruelty such as murder or sexual assault that they believe connect them to the supernatural. Followers of the group have been connected to a variety of crimes, including terrorism charges and sexual assault charges in the UK. So, I think I win the find the new awful scavenger hunt. Uh, how safe do you feel now, Tiwi, uh, knowing that there is a Nazi death cult encouraging angry racists to attack innocent people for supernatural gain? Um, I might start bleaching my skin. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Everything sucks. <laughs> I know, I know. This does sound like the preamble to some kind of like grindhouse like horror movie, though. I mean, like, what? You're talking about like Nazi devil worshippers are going around killing people with knives? Like, I don't know, to slake their god's thirst for blood? Um, uh, who knew that was a thing? Who knew that was going to be a thing? Um, yeah, I, don't know. I didn't Just, think it is, this was it's a thing. getting nuts. Yeah. Well, but the fact that they have like a name and like established like views, but they're not like being monitored. I mean, I don't know. Like, how do they get members? Yeah. I don't know how that recruitment works. Like, uh, you're a Nazi, but are you also like even weirder than like, <laughs> I mean, a you have Nazi? to be. This like, is, like, like definitely like next level Nazihood here. It kind of makes sense, though, because uh, there is that kind of witchy revolution happening. There's the re- uh, resistance witches, and uh, that's that's kind of springing up on the on the left side of things. So maybe this is the the the, the Nazi right wing fascist version of that. Generation Z, dude. I swear to God, they just. They're so on the fringe. I bet David Mayette. It, let, let me look at David Mayette. I bet David Mayette's old. an old fucker. Did you see that Generation yeah, he, Z is like getting a like not millennial? They're getting a generational tattoo, and it's actually a Nazi symbol. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'll, I'll. a generate. Is it the eagle? No, it's a Z with a little line through it. That's a Nazi symbol. Apparently, yeah. I mean, I'm not real familiar with Nazi symbols. They're calling it the wolf's angle symbol. The wolf's, let's look up this wolf's angel, wolf's angel symbol, which was an early symbol used by prominent hate groups during the early 1900s. Okay, that's kind of a stretch. Yeah. It's <laughs> like uh, manufactured fucking rage. It doesn't even look the same. It's not even the same fucking thing. One, oh, I you see. tilt the wolf's angel on its side, it's, it looks like a man doing some kind of weird dance, like, like a, a ska dance. It's kind of like a, it's a skanking pickle. Um, yeah, it looks like a skanking fucking pickle. <laughs> it's a, it looks very similar to the actual Nazi the swastika. The swastika. Like it's like kind of like it's abbreviated, like an like early way. swastika, a rudimentary. Which all we all know, the swastika was stolen from the Hindus. I think. Mayat is alleged to have been the founder of the occult group Order of Nine Angels or to have taken it over, written the publicly available teachings of ONA under the pseudonym Anton Long, which makes sense because Anton LaVey was uh, the satanic order. Is it the Order of Nine Angels, or is it the Order of Nine Angles? I think it's Angles. Oh, you're right. I think it is Angles. I'm reading that wrong. <laughs> which is actually just kind of ridiculous, because if you look at the symbol, <laughs> it just looks like a weird, <laughs> fucked up non-star. It looks like like a Satan face for like made out of angles. It's like a pentagram with like extra pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start the order of ten angles and just add a straight line. Just yeah, just straight down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be and call, yeah. It's like this is the intersectional version. Yeah, we're about love. <laughs> hint, hint. Uh, yes, the order of the nine angles, which made a lot less sense to me. Angels sounded a lot more like. 
I don't know, creepy? Nine angles. Order of nine <laughs> angles. It just sounds embarrassing now when you see that literally. It does. It's just it like sounds nine like, oh, angles. it's fucking math club. <laughs> oh, you want to join math club? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, hypotenuse and all that. We got nine angles. Shit. Well, that's that's lame. Uh, <laughs> that's just fucking lame. I Just proves that fucking Nazis just don't have, like, great imaginations. <laughs> they, you know. It all just comes down to like this rah rah strict shit. Like no no not angels, angles. Angles. You know like just measure things. We really got to think about everything from all nine angles. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh wow. All right. Uh, Well, that. I mean, it it seems less scary. I'm gonna say it just seems less scary. (laughs) It does without the angels. I thought the angels was like making this like really cool sort of like religious component that you know I was assuming there was like a deep theory involved. Now it's just actually literally like there's nine angles. Yeah, there's just nine fucking (laughs) angles. It just sounds like rules. It's just like you're just saying like oh yeah, there's nine fucking rules. Oh. I, I don't know. I don't. They probably do have. I, I thought we were gonna hang out in like robes and shit. You know, like <laughs> oh, you let's do some robe weird every shit. Every meeting, you come up with a new rule till you get to nine. <laughs> right. You have to memorize the nine angles. Everything's in nines. You have to divide by nine. What's the? What's the? You know, I bet they measure the angles by the power of nine. <laughs> it's actually like a geometry uh, club. It's, yeah, it's, I'm sure it started out as a geometry club. That's what it sounds like. like it's like this oh. angle is 23 degrees. <laughs> Which I would say would make it a little more metal because uh, Pythagoras is considered one of these kind of occult. Uh, uh, That's a stretch. Uh, luminaries, and uh, you know maybe they're bringing it down to the whole you know Pythagorean stuff of like oh these are the secrets. You think these guys are really going for Pythagoras? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to work with something here. They really just fucking screwed that up. Uh, I think I feel like people probably were joining early on <laughs> they when they said it was angels. It said it said angels. Hey, you got a your typo shirt. on no, your no, no, flyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, it's it's angles. It's it's not a typo. It's you want to hear more? No, actually, no, I don't. No, no I'm good. sorry, sorry. I'm gonna go down the street to the satanic satanic church over here. They sound way way more fun. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, so that's that. I just feel bad now that. I don't know. Just that it sucked up all the. Why angles the is just so stupid. <laughs> yeah, just I, I sort of want to read more, but then again, it sounds like I'm gonna read and like, oh no no, it's, it's a lot of math. <laughs> like fuck that, Jesus. All right. Okay. All right. From testing the efficacy of a knife made of human shit to studying why bug scientists are most afraid of spiders. The ballots and the winners of the Ig Nobel Awards will be revealed after the break. We've got to warn them! We've got to warn them! The people, the people of this world, the people of this earth, this benighted earth! Join KTLU in celebrating the Ophiuchian Soul Invictus Festival with daily episodes of the Ophiuchus Hour starting on September 23rd. Temptations! Temptations! We must avoid the temptations! Dr. Rutherford Braithwaite Ames will lead the daily sermons for the week's long celebration, which ends on October 30th, and remembers the mysterious birth of the Light of Ophiuchus here on Earth, marking the salvation for all people. It reminds me, when I was a boy, I picked up a soda can my father had given to me. And I used it to kill a salamander. Because I was an evil child. I was an evil child. That's the Ophiuchus Hour every day from 7 to 11 a.m. Followed by the Colors of Madness, hosted by Adolf Summers. Only on KTLU, Perump. Our bizarrest segment catalogs the myriad strange sundries and cultural eccentricities bubbling up at the fringes of acceptable society. Where did you get this? These things are not to be played with. And the antiques remain cursed. I do have an offer to make. You could understand everything. You taste the fruit. Matin Oren has been fascinated since high school by the story of an Inuit man in Canada who made a knife out of his own excrement. 
The story has been told and retold, but is it true? Aren and his colleagues decided to find out. Aren, an assistant professor of anthropology at Kent State University in Ohio and co-director of the university's experimental archaeology lab, used real human feces frozen to minus 50 degrees centigrade and filed to a sharp edge. He then tried to cut meat with it. The poop knives failed miserably, he said in a telephone interview. There's not a lot of basis empirically for this fantastic story. Well, that was just one of the great experiments that won at this year's Ig Nobel Awards. The Ig Nobels were created in 1991 by Mark Abrahams, editor and co-founder of the Annals of Improbable Research. Awards are presented for discoveries that cannot or should not be reproduced. So, uh, Tiwi, <laughs> you were supposed to find... I just realized why this didn't work. <laughs> not the poop knife. Not the poop knife. <laughs> why, when I tried searching for what this was, I was looking for the Nobel, and I was like, I don't... Why does he want me to look this up? <laughs> I was like, poop knife? Uh. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. So your assignment was to look up a story or, or, or find one of these uh, Ig Nobels and... Uh, I missed the you know, Ig. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's see. Here's are the win- These are the winners. That, um, the Acoustic Prize um, went to a team of lots of people, Austria, Sweden, Japan, USA, Switzerland, um, their, theirs, their, their study was a Chinese alligator in... Heliox, formant frequencies in a crocodilian. Oh my god! Mm. Oh my gosh! National income oh. equality predicts cultural variation in mouth-to-mouth kissing. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Or how about IQs or eyebrows? Q grandiose narcissism. <laughs> but this, like, this shit gets funded. Is that like? I have to assume that someone funded this. These like studies. Well, uh, another winner. Uh, they won because uh, they earned an Ig Nobel in medicine for pioneering a new psychiatric diagnosis, misophonia, getting annoyed by noises others make. Oh, I've heard about this one, actually. That got Really? Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. That's like when people go. Did you need a paper to name to, to, to like. I thought it already had it. To prove that like term. people are annoyed by, by sounds, like annoying sounds. I mean, I thought it already had Haven't it. Haven't we all known that? Yeah. I don't know. No, I think it's like more than just like annoyance at like chewing sounds or whatever. I think some people have it to like a more severe degree. Psychotic degree? Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like Urban Dictionary already had this one covered and someone just spent a lot of money for no reason. Mm. Well, that was the show. Kind of uh, just kind of sputtered out there. <laughs> so what are, we, what are you going to do? <laughs> Can't all have winners, right? Uh, you can reach us on Facebook at Far Off Topic Show and Far Off Topic on all the other socials. You can reach me via Twitter at Fiasco Jones. Tiwi, you are... Tiwi said stuff. Tiwi said stuff. Uh, Jax was uh, Jax four five. I can't remember. I it's not. I didn't really write it down. So, what are you gonna do? I feel like that's the excuse for the end of this entire show. Like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Prepare. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> uh, episode clips are posted to our YouTube account, where you can find the full show notes. You can find that by searching for off topic on the old YouTube's. Naturally, if you'd like to support the show, feel free to comment or rate. Most of all, thank you for listening, and until you hear from us again, so mote it be. <laughs> so mote it be. Fly off topic.